0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike, and I'm Marty, and this is two guys, a league, and some guests. Let's get it started. Okay, maybe we we'll leave the last few as
1: a surprise for because uh, maybe we'll just go off the cuff a little bit. But uh, I think I think, we're, I think we're pretty much ready. So, um, all right, everybody, this is our, our first ever show. It'll uh, it'll be a two-parter because we got a lot to cover. A little bit of housekeeping if you will in the first episode um, this is thanks for joining us by the way uh, I don't know how you found out about us um, but I appreciate you uh, clicking on the <laughs> link and, and having a listen um, hopefully things go well and, uh, and and we'll just get right into it so um, so I, I guess maybe just a, c- a quick a very brief um, history of why this is happening. Mike and I are in a a hockey pool started uh, 25 years ago this year. And every time we get together, you know, it's great banter back and forth and stuff. And I don't know how many times we've said it, right, Mike? Like, you know, this is, this is good stuff. Like, why don't we just get together and maybe we should even record this stuff. And, you know, how many, how many times do you hear people say that kind of stuff?
0: Some of the content that we would have had from some of those draft parties, boy, I'm (laughs) telling you.
1: (laughs) uh, Actually, it would. Have, it's probably a good thing that we didn't uh, start the podcast. Then. Yeah, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Clean <find>, ourselves <laughs> up a little bit. But um, so as a result, be it almost as sort of an homage to the reason why this podcast exists, um, we're going to start probably every show the same way, which is going to be with a weekly segment called uh, Check My Fanny, which is basically, uh, it, it's a fantasy concept where, you know, people in fantasy hockey pools, I, like, you know, they just, it's not that the, everybody needs help, but I know even sometimes I do. Just a different opinion, so we're going to go over some fantasy hockey stuff we're going to touch a, a little bit on our fantasy hockey and 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 what's going on there but we're we're, we're going to try and stick things uh, so we're going to try to help people out we're going to stick to things like you know hot players cold players streaks uh who's doing what injuries that kind of stuff and try to try to be as relevant and helpful as possible for the for the listeners but for uh, for this episode we're just going to do a quick overview of our league and keep it moving so our, our next episode will be closer to what our listeners uh, can expect on a weekly basis. So, um, so right. Mike, do you have anything to add?
0: Hey, I mean, uh, thanks guys for, uh, for tuning in and listening. We appreciate you guys coming on for our inaugural show. You know, I think uh, I speak for both Marty and I, we're, we're hoping that you guys just have fun with this. Um, You know, we're, we're basically two guys just talking about hockey, a passion that we have. And, uh you know throwing in a few uh a few little tidbits here and there uh with some nice fun uh weekly segments we hope they're fun for you guys as well um so let's uh let's get this started marty all
1: right so good um the, the first thing i want to mention so it'll be our, our our so we're right into the check my fanny part so our hockey pool like i said is 25 years uh running which is on its own pretty pretty impress impressive when i heard that this year it's funny, it didn't hit me when it was 24 years, but it hits me when it's 25 years. Um, oh, it hit me too, oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. So we've got, it's an eight GM keeper league. So there's eight different uh, teams, basically. Uh, and during the season, you got uh, 23 players with two future stars. So that's during the season. But on the off season, y- you got you got to keep 12, and, and then you still got those two future stars. Um, so... That that makes things interesting, I find, because that's half of your team, right? Like, you it, it, honestly, I, we've played with that number a couple of times too, and and it uh, and it's bounced around a, a few different places. But I think at one point we were, did we not keep fifteen at one point? I want to say we were keeping fifteen, and we had to dumb it down.
0: I believe at first it was yeah, like fourteen or fifteen. We brought it down. I yeah. think when we uh, did uh, the little bit of an expansion there in the uh, in the beginning of the. Uh... Yeah, and it, the made, itself, it made like things that. a lot
1: more interesting I and mean, a lot harder to pick those players because it made certain players be available at the draft. So that was kind of a big deal. So um, but then during so during the week, though, so this is what happens. So you go up head to head against another GM who's, uh, you know, so it's you versus him for the week. So that week slate of games, which starts on Monday, ends on Sunday. However many games your players have, you got to collect those points and how many players you've got. So you got to dress nine forwards, four defensemen and two goalies. So And the way the, the points work out is pretty typical, pretty standard. One point for a goal, one point for an assist for forwards. But new this year was two points for a goal for D and one point for an assist, which when I was thinking about this only today, um, so, it's, so it suggests, right, like a, a, a defenseman, you know, it's harder for them to score a goal, so we give them two. Okay, why, don't, why aren't we giving five points for a goalie to score a goal? Why isn't that a thing? And maybe three points for an assist or something like that
0: hey, listen, uh, it's definitely something that we can come up with uh, at the end of the year, something that we can talk about. Which but is, does it uh, sound ridiculous? Another...
1: Are, are, are we like, oh, uh, I don't, are I don't think so. there, five points for a goal? But that's what I mean. Like, it, like it, it's, again, with two points. Won't come or... into
0: play very often, obviously.
1: No, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But an assist does. But an assist does in the sense of, like, You'll see an assist from a goalie, like let's say a goalie will get, what, what would be like a high assist season for a goalie? What, five? That'd be really high, yeah, I think. Right so around that area. Let's say. Say, let's say we made three points for an assist. That makes it an extra 15 points. Is that going too far? Because, you know, who knows? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just because, again, with the, the whole defenseman thing this year, two points for a goal, I'm like, well, if it's hard for them to score a goal, imagine what it's like for a goalie. You need the net to be empty pretty much, Right.
0: Certainly something that we can bring up at uh, Uh, our next uh, collective agreement.
1: See, we're already changing the league by starting this podcast. (laughs) Ah, yes. Uh, We'll see. I I have a funny feeling some of those GMs are going to be like, nah, nah, this is, settle down there, Marty. You're being ridiculous. Um, What are these two guys talking about? (laughs) They're already ruining the league. Um, so the other a couple other things I wanted to mention, yeah. So for goalies, yeah, okay, so there's no goals and assist specialty points there, but they do they get two points for a win, three points for a shutout, combined for a shutout is five points at that point. Um, no daily transactions, no ad drops, that kind of thing. Um, uh, rules and dates, that kind of stuff revolve around the NHL. We've always tried to maintain um a similar footprint that the NHL has. Like whatever it is the NHL is doing, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to really Really pretend like we're actual NHL GMs and and we're running a real (laughs) league. We're running a real team here and try to get it as close as possible. That's and that's honestly, I think I think we've done a pretty good job with it. It feels it feels special. I think we've
0: done an excellent job.
1: Yeah. Wow. There you go. So yeah. So two two people out of eight so far. I think it's great. (laughs) I'm gonna post on Twitter each team and their full roster, and then I want whoever our fans end up being to actually vote on which teams they feel are the best ones you know you can go ahead and put them in all orders if you want I believe uh, this is one two three four five six seven eight or just say yeah this team's gonna win whatever however you guys want um, but I'm gonna put it on our on our Twitter feed and and our Twitter feed is actually at 2galag so that's 2 g-a-l-a-g but uh, we also mentioned that at the end of the show so anyways just stick around to the end of the show you'll get some more information
0: about that but mm-hmm.
1: so moving right
0: along Mike unless you had anything else to add no, no, I'm I'm no. stoked for this next little segment yeah. that we got for these guys.
1: So yeah, so this next, so this is not a weekly segment. So this uh, this one is Kraken the Kraken. So uh, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, this is you know a, yet another new team. This is the 32nd team, right? Which they, I believe, they retired the number 32. One of the first things they did in the. They did. They did. The
0: ceremony is <laughs> cute.
1: Did Vegas do that? Did they retire? 31? No, they're, no, if,
0: no. I believe that they're the only ones to ever. Uh, like, I believe they're the only ones to ever retire a, a number on their first Based. night of existence, so to speak. Yeah.
1: What do you feel about that? How do you, like? what do you, how does that make you feel inside?
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, uh, it's a nice homage to the fans. I mean, they, they are, uh, Oh, it's a know, fan t- that reach. The, uh,
1: that's a fan reach. Okay.
0: Well, no, it it's, it, I believe it has to do with the amount of, uh, uh, tickets that they had, um, uh, pre-sold or that people had, uh, uh, oh. Applied for, I believe it was thirty-two thousand. Uh, so oh, I thought of course, it was because they the
1: thirty-second the team in the league.
0: I, I that as well. It's it's because of both numbers. They're the thirty-second team okay. in the league, and also because of the amount of tickets that people uh, applied for. Uh, there were thirty-two oh, thousand cool, uh, applicants applicants for uh, for season tickets, if I'm not mistaken. That's um, nice. Uh, oh, absolutely. So I mean, to 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 basically have that up there on the first, uh, you know, their home opener and uh you know to to start things off with a bang so to speak you're really kind of saying to the fans you know we're 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 dedicating this number because of you so yeah uh, i was i I was all right with it yeah it's got a little bit of that kind of cheesiness i know what you're talking about but at the same time i mean you know it's certainly a nice gesture from from the uh the franchise. To I'll fan say this insane. at the very,
1: NHL has been guilty on more than one occasion of coming off a little cheesy. And that's fine, honestly, because it's supposed to be a mix of family and, yeah. you know, some, some beer swigging jerks like us. So I'm fine <laughs> with the cheesiness. Honestly, there is a place for it and it's okay. And when I saw it, I thought I honestly, I, I just chuckled a little bit just because I thought, well, that's pretty cute. And that's about as far as yeah. I went with it. I never, honestly, I never really gave it much more thought than that. A um, couple of things I want to highlight about, what I do really like about uh, one thing that they did, so, the, so of the eight founding partnerships that they started out with, four are commercial, like I think it's Starbucks, Verizon, and an airline and something else. But the other four are community and climate-based. Um, so they, they really went with some important topics, which I thought was awesome, and especially with the climate thing. Well, obviously, right, it's, it's a climate, what is it, climate change arena? Is that what it's called? And that's... Yeah.
0: Uh, <clears throat> climate, climate Pledge.
1: Climate Pledge, that's what it is, sorry. So that's, like, that's, it's nice to see, um, and, and it was kind of refreshing. Is it important? Of course it's important, Climate Pledge, the whole thing. I know it's probably going to rub some people the wrong way just because it's, it's, it's a political topic, and part of that you don't want to, like, the part of the reason why we love hockey and, and we go and in, get into hockey is to, the escape of it all, but I think this is yeah. kind of an important step in the right direction. And, and uh, again, I wanted to highlight that thing and the fact that they have a partnership with the with the Coast Salish Indigenous group. Uh, their ice is actually made of uh, collected rainwater with the help of a fifteen thousand gallon cistern, um, which is really impressive. <laughs> Um, and then the first net zero certification sports arena. So these these are important things that like, uh, hit me right out of the gate. And when I heard about these things, I went in and I started looking at it. And so it, it engaged me. So if for nothing else, it, it gets the conversation out there and it gets people looking into it. And you know what, it, it, it makes the experience that much better. I think there's a live wall as well, which are always really cool to see. I've always loved a live wall. For those of you who don't know what a live wall is, is basically exactly what it sounds. It's a big giant wall filled with plants and, and things that live there. And, it, and it's honestly, it's, it may sound ridiculous. It may sound funny, but it's these little things that are actually kind of interesting, kind of cool that I like. But onto the really important stuff, the team what do you think of the team? Like, what do you think? Where do, where do they go? What happens? Do you think they have a chance? Are they another Vegas or were they, are they going to be, I don't know, like an Anaheim?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we can both agree that Vegas was kind of a one-off. I mean, you know, I, I won't go over all the details, but we know that through trades and they were able to really manipulate the league a little bit and kind of, you know, take advantage of it that way. So, with Vegas, you know, putting such a big imprint and, and, and such a successful uh, beginning of their franchise, mm-hmm. you know, Saddle's always kind of behind the eight ball a little bit that way. Um, yeah. You know, I th- I think at the end of the day, like most expansion teams, you got a bit of a pluckier team, a kind of a hard-working team. Yeah. Um, how many games they're going to win? I mean, that's, that's obviously yet to be seen, but uh, I All- certainly think that they're I going think, to be a competitive group
1: yeah and i think they did so when the when they released the list of players available and that kind of stuff i think they did a really good job of getting getting after a plan so like it, it really seemed like when they were the players they were picking they weren't necessarily at random they weren't necessarily all the best ones like as an example they could have gone out and gotten carry price they, d- they chose not to they end up going after grubauer which to me makes more sense so it's a couple of pieces that I really did like was a Grubauer, a Giordano, because you needed some leadership because they were going to go young, obviously, and they did. they did. Not completely young, but they needed somebody in there who knew what they're going to do and sort of anchor that defense and, and help and make sure Grubauer had some help as well. Uh, Vince Dunn, so th- that's what I like right there, the defensive pairing, Vince Dunn and Giordano. The two together, like Vince Dunn is going to be a beast. Honest to God, I think he's going to... At some point, he's going to lead that league in, or that team in points, and it won't be because of the fact that they're an expansion team. I think he's going to be very important to this team. Maybe not in points, but he's going to be very important to this team. He's going to eventually anchor everything that they've got going on there, and he's going to be a huge cog for that team. Um, McCann, uh, I think it's too bad because McCann did really... He's going to do very well. He's done very well, and I think he's given more responsibility offensively. He could really explode, but they also went out and got gourd. And Gord's going to be given the the bulk of the offense, the chances. To and, me, and he's
0: it, he's kind of the epitome of that team. Like, yeah, that that kind of player to me is going to kind of personify a little bit what that team and that franchise is going to be about at the very least for the first couple of years, right? Yeah, until they yeah. can kind of build that prospect cupboard up and really get some homegrown talent in there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, great great start with Maddie Bineers uh, at number two overall. So you know,
1: they're not a dumb. As team. with any, ex- Francis knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, and 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 they're, they're they're going to be guided very well in that regard. And by the way, thank you very much, Francis, for taking Larson. Oh my God, that Hall for Larson trade, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I know Shirelli's got a laundry list of bad trades, but I'm sorry that straight up Larson for Hall, I inexcusable. So thank you for taking him. Just. It'll never go away. The memory will never go away, but not having him on the team is a huge benefit. So thank you for taking him.
0: You know what, Marty? And sorry to chime in here. Um, oh, in oh, regards funny. in regards to Adam Larson, you know, I, I totally, totally understand and see your point as an Oilers fan. I, I, I absolutely get it. Um, but it was kind of funny because I was just about to, to mention beforehand that uh, You're gonna
1: defend the play, it, aren't a, you?
0: Well, no, no, not no not at all. I just think that he is better slotted in Seattle than he ever was in Edmonton oh, because fair. you and yeah. you and I both know as as the main piece coming back in that hall trade he was always going to be seen as this number one yep. stud defenseman Absolutely. or at the very least or at the very least a fan base was going to want that out of him because look what you gave up exactly but, and that's not his fault no not at all no. not at all but I, Still I can good player he's he's he is much more uh, he's slotted in. Sorry, much uh, better. Uh, in Seattle, and I think that that type of a player in that situation and slotted in the right, in the right place. Right now, will he's be on successful. the second.
1: He's on the second defensive pairing, and he's nowhere to be found on the power play, which makes sense for him. It's not, and it's not solved. Everyone's got a, a role to play, yep. and I think that's his role.
0: I mean, he's not a power play guy. To no. to me, you know. Uh, I mean, depending on what you have available to you as a defensive core, that particular game, yeah. maybe that changes a little bit and he slides into uh, power play too, mm-hmm. uh, or something like to to that effect. It could, but he's never but done well think-
1: in that role. It, it's a, He's a defensive specialist and that's where he needs to be. And honestly, you need that in a top one or two pairing. I get that, and that's fine. It, and it depends on the structure of your team, of course. But in an Edmonton team, it made no sense. And you're completely right when you said that. In a Seattle system, it makes a lot of sense. In the number two slot, where you know, he's playing on <coughs> not the most offensive team in the league. We know that much. But he's going to play with uh, Donskoy, um, Wenberg, and Eberle. So that, that's, a good, that's a good five. Larson and Lozon, who I don't know much about. Um, but that's a, that's a solid five for your second line. So
0: they did they did well there. I mean, he's at the very least he's going to be a serviceable defenseman for you. I yep. mean, he will. I wouldn't say that the guy's actually going to he's not going to hurt you in a defensive uh, no. aspect, that's for sure.
1: No, he's going to he's going to hold the fort for sure. I just want to mention that there are two uh key members of this team currently injured. And I know Grubauer is is the goalie that they went after and he wins them games now. But you need to understand having um It was it Chris Dreiger. He he was in Florida, right? Last year. Yeah. He and he gave Bobrovsky a run for his money. Now, it didn't help that Bobrovsky wasn't necessarily playing that great either. um, But he having that type of backup goalie that pushes your starting goalie to be that much better because I'm worried about my job. And I also feel like they're going to work well together. They're going to be good teammates for each other. I think that makes your goalie situation that much better. I, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, Grubauer couldn't do it on his own. But what I'm saying is knowing you've got Chris in the background, that that right there is a... And then you don't got to worry about your goalie situation for years to come. That's fantastic. Because Chris is... Dreiger's young. So that's the goalie of the future for you. But so is Grubauer. He's not that old either. So you've got a great... Super bright future in goal with those two guys right there like they're that's just brilliant job in drafting on that case and the other one I wanted to mention he's also injured is Marcus Johansson once he comes back and now he's going to be either first or second shuffled all those lines together oh boy this this team's going to be something to, to 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 really to not take for granted. Um, cause I would imagine he would come back in probably in the first line, if not second line, and then you got some shuffling there where you can take some of that talent. And uh, as an example, like Tanev is actually scoring at a pretty hot pace right now. And he's on a third line. I don't know what that really translates for everybody else, but it, it, this team's going to look that much better. Cause Marcus Johansson, I think if you give him a little bit more freedom, he, he can explode. He's a very, he's a very gifted offensive um, forward for sure.
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day here, I think you just have a team that, you know, you're going to, when you play Seattle, it's not going to be a, a free two points. It's not. And at the end of the day, you know, and at the end of the day, like you mentioned with that tandem, uh, you know, you can kind of say whatever you want about the tandem, whether you think it's good or bad or whatnot. But in my personal point of view, when you have a tandem like that, that can, that has the capability of stealing you games. That's
1: right. Exactly. I, I
0: I think I think you're in a good spot, to say the least.
1: Exactly. So. Either of those two goalies can steal a game for you, so that means that any time you go out that night, you've got a chance to win. Because if Grubauer all of a sudden gets cold, you know, th- throw Chris in there. And he'll he could steal it for you because he honestly he he could have stolen it he could have stolen the number one job and I I honestly feel like he did last year he stole it from Bobrovsky he was making ten million a year and he's no slouch himself he won the Vesna but he wasn't playing great last year so when every every once in a while when they would throw in drager in there he he was he was hard to beat very hard to beat so I think Seattle's well, got I a mean, great future.
0: I mean we all saw it happen over the course of the uh, the summer and the free agency period. I mean, uh, and I, I apologize if I butcher his name, but Chris Drieger, I oh, think it is. Oh, okay, Drieger? I'm I'm not, saying it wrong. I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, but you know what? I, um, we're human. We make mistakes. Folks know who, folks know who we're talking about. That's right. Um, at the end of the day, this guy was supposed to be your number one uh, goaltender yeah. before you kind of got to free agency and things fell apart a little bit between Colorado and uh, Grubauer. Yeah. So, so good on, good on him for going out and getting Grubauer. I yeah. mean, uh, you know. I, I think you used some of the cap space and you got yourself a great tandem in net. And at the end of the it's something me, that not day, a lot
1: of teams can boast about, quite frankly. There are not that many great um, goalies out there, in my opinion. Like I, I and I honestly feel like this is one of the teams that has that goalie situation figured out. Uh, a couple last things I want to mention actually is I do I honestly love the name, love the logo, love the colors. I think they nailed ahead the or hit nailed hit the nail on the head with all of that stuff. Um, and last thing, if you, if listeners out there, if you haven't seen it yet, check out the game they had against Vegas, the first game. They did a visuals, like only Vegas can, with uh, the Kraken coming out of the ice. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. It's awfully impressive. Um, it was, in my, in my opinion, is actually was a little bit of respect thrown at Seattle like welcome to the league it's pretty cool even though the whole I, I don't want to give it away but anyways check it out it was really really neat I don't Mike did you see it
0: I did actually see the uh, nice. uh the performance they put on uh, whenever they were uh, hosting Seattle it was quite something uh, mm-hmm. again I I don't want to give it away either people can yeah. go ahead and check it out it's quite uh, quite a nice little presentation uh the one thing that, uh, that I will say Marty if I may um is the sight lines in that arena Uh, again, I won't give too much away guys, but if you go and check out, uh, uh, you know, maybe some highlights or, uh, you know, literally plug that into your, uh, uh, to your internet browser, um, they, there's some great sight lines to that arena. The, uh, the, I believe the last few rows at the top of the arena are actually, um, street level, uh, which basically means that the building itself has been receded into the ground, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and wow. street level can basically walk over to the top of the, what is the top of the building, so to speak. And, uh, they've got full on glass panels that there. Awesome. And that's
1: awesome. I didn't can, know that. Uh,
0: so it, it was quite some, some, some nice sight lines, something that's completely different. Uh, yeah. just like the whole, uh, arena itself. Like you had gone over earlier in the podcast yeah. there.
1: Cool. Awesome. I, I really didn't know that. And that's actually a very interesting concept. I hope other, uh, arenas take that into consideration because that's a really neat, uh, that's a neat idea. Neat little feature.
0: Oh, it's just a little something that uh, differentiates themselves from other arenas. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So we're going to try and move things along here a little bit more. We've got another weekly segment. we kind of want to tap into? We're going to, the name of this one's oily Habs. Um, so I, I don't know if you can tell, but um, I am a huge Edmonton oiler fan. That's not that I'm from Alberta or Edmonton or anything like that, though I did live in Kananaskis, Alberta for a little while. Um, absolutely loved my experience there. It was amazing. But um, no, I just, I grew up in the 80s, you know, loved the, uh, the whole Gretzky, Coffee, Curry, Messier, the winning cups. I mean, who doesn't love all of that? So I fell in love with them early, and I honestly, it's one of those rare sports teams that I never wavered from. I have kind of fallen in love with a couple of different baseball teams and basketball teams, but Edmonton's always been my team, and, and I just love them. So uh, Oily Habs is a segment where I'm going to check in on the, on the Oilers, and Mike. I'm going to check on the Habs. That's his team. Um, uh, Have you always been and with, uh, like it's just it just that comes from your dad kind of thing or?
0: Comes from dad. Yeah, as with most uh, young guys, uh, definitely yeah, came right, from yeah. dad.
1: Sicknesses, you know, um,
0: yeah. you know he he <laughs> uh, threw the games on. I remember uh, back in the day, it was eight o'clock starts. Uh, so you'd have a late, late game. It'd be like eleven, eleven thirty sometimes, and you're still watching a hockey game, especially mm-hmm. for when in overtime, right? Yeah, that's good stuff. So I remember all those uh, those memories with dad, and of course uh, he was a big Habs fan himself. So you just kind of emulate your father, and yeah. I just kind of hooked on to the Habs, and so now I feel realize. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's all good. I was just gonna say, and, and do realize that I pick for a team where you either love that team yeah. or you hate them. <laughs> where we're part, we're we're part of that group where there is no uh, gray area, and I am more than fine with that.
1: See, and that's where I feel I differ because I I don't, and I my dad's probably gonna hate me for saying this because grew up a Boston fan because my father was a Boston fan. Um, now I don't hate the Habs, but I don't love them. But I will cheer for the Habs as long as they're playing against, let's say an American team, because at the end of the day, I want the cup in Canada, but I will not cheer for the Habs if they're playing against, say, the Leafs or even the Senators um, who neither of those like neither of those teams I'm a big fan of either. But because it's the Habs, I'm going to pull for the other one. Not because I like the other team more, but because it's the Habs. So, you see what I mean? I do live in the gray with them. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I'm one of those rare fans where, like, I'll live in the gray with the Habs just as long as they're playing against the Americans. I like them. A Canadian team, not so much. So, but uh, Fair enough. I do feel that this is, this segment is a bit unfair because clearly my team is way better than yours. Like, it's not <laughs> even close. So, I will have hey, way listen. more fun with this segment than you will.
0: Hey, listen, if this podcast does what we want it to, we'll be around and it'll be the other way, so. Oh, I don't All know All good, about buddy. That. We'll see. That, we'll see. But there'll be, there'll be a day. There'll be a day. All right,
1: so do you want to check in on your Habs right now?
0: Like, Or do you just Absolutely. want to just
1: go over a few things? Because uh, we want to save some stuff for the second episode, of course.
0: Well, I mean, ju- just for the listeners, uh, we're just going to be going over basically our uh, expectations of the team and yeah. uh, whatnot. We know we're a little bit into the uh, start of the season here already, but. To go over what I was really looking for from my Habs, um, you're looking for a lot of growth from the youth, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think I speak for everybody with no Price and no Weber. Uh, the, the literal backbone of how this team was built is not even in place at, at a particular moment. So, yeah. uh, you know, even before going into the season here, getting the news with Price and the player assistance program, it was a case where, you know, yeah i am a realist as well when it comes to my team and you know you hope for the best but let's call it what it is uh it will be a very very tough season um but on the plus side you are hoping for some growth from that youth uh and of course uh with the uh difficulties that A had at the end of last year yeah you are hoping that a, pl- a player that's coming back happy uh and content mm-hmm. and uh more comfortable uh in his own skin from mm-hmm. from what i can understand yeah um you know you're looking for some positives from that as well so but i think all all is not
1: from a hockey lost. like if you if you want to if like if you want to talk hockey. I mean, if you want like it, the the struggles that prices are going, is going through and doing, went through and, and probably still going through those are human aspects. And, and they're you know, my heart goes out to them and I, I wish nothing for the best, nothing but the best from, for, oh, for both of them. Honestly, from a hockey's yeah. perspective though, at the end of the day, this team is trying to win games. They're trying to win a cup. And that's Bergeron. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, you know, didn't suggest this season. I believe he even came out and said, no, we want to get back to the playoffs and continue down that path, right? And that was that's the goal, is it not? Am I wrong? Did he not say something along those lines?
0: No, I mean, hey, the t- look, uh, at the end of the day, the team's goal is to hit the playoffs. Okay. When you have Carey Price, when you still have Carey Price on the roster, there there's no rebuilding there. There's and this, there's and- going for it and making it to the dance. And that's a little bit uh, of where my contention and maybe issue is with with the franchise is when are you going to try something different? Exactly, I
1: mean, and that's and that's always to, to, and that's been my push for. It it feels like forever, but I I it frustrates me to no end that Bergervain's leash, instead of you know you know after I, putting last year aside. I feel that Bergeron is one of the luckiest GMs in the world. He he benefits from this team being lucky at the ex, at exactly the right time, like nobody I've ever seen. His leash gets extended as opposed to being retracted when when things go wrong. It seems like he's got like he's got a weird. The owners just love him. I think because again the whole French thing, right? Like there's a big push for Montreal as a whole like you know your coach needs to be able to speak French and be French and your players need to be like there's always been that there and I feel that holds them back from any sort of progress any real progress it makes the progress at least take a lot longer and it seems like because they're the last Canadian team to win the cup that they're still they still want to bring that up they still want to talk about that but that was back in 94 It's time to let that go. You have what have you done for me lately? Thank you, Janet Jackson. Nothing has happened in such a long time that I it it blows my mind that they haven't changed how they operate either, and that to me is one of the reasons why they're they're continuously going to struggle. Like you you talked about earlier, where they you know they need growth, and if you've got price in the lineup, then you're you're going to do well. But really, you need growth, and really, you need more than one player. And that's what Bergeron has been banking on. He's been, he's been putting his success on one player. And as soon as that one player is gone, you've got no success. That's not a team. You didn't build a team. You built, a, you built something that you can tread water on, and that's it. And once your star player is in, now you're into the playoffs. And I will say this. When the Canadians make the playoffs, they have the luxury of having lore with them. There's no other team that can bank on a playoff situation the way the Canadians can, because there's something special about when you make it to the playoffs, the fans, the media, the atmosphere, the energy that comes alive. If you believe in spirits, if you don't, I don't care. I do. I think something comes alive. I think the Stanley Cup's ears perk up a little bit and go, "Whoa, Montreal, oh, Montreal's in the playoffs oh, okay, let's go, let's go. And you, Montreal gets that extra little push. That's your That's your secret player. It's your secret weapon. But you got to
0: make it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like there are very, very few teams that can pull from that lore, I'll use your term. They, They can pull from that from years and years and years of playoff successes mm-hmm. and just the atmosphere in that building during playoff time it's impressive I mean whether you're whether you're a Habs fan or not it, it is it is impressive yeah it is um I mean but I mean having said all of that they're in a tough spot they're in yeah. a real tough spot I mean the division that they're in yeah uh, the situation that the situation that they're in situation too yeah, it, yeah for sure it, I mean now and it, that, but it, that but
1: this again this proves my point even more you know, you've got Price that's out, and also Weber, obviously. But I mean, they—they they, Weber has been in and out, injured throughout his career in Montreal, anyways. And they found ways to win. It's really about Price, and what bothers me. I mean, me, it's that
0: drop off, right? Uh, it's, it's that drop off.
1: Once, and the problem with this drop, this drop off—I mean, this should almost be a, a different term. This drop off is too massive, and they banked on Allen being able to pick up the slack, and that's. I mean, any casual fan will tell you that's a mistake. Allen can't do this. He couldn't. That's why St. Louis let him go. He was done. Not that he's done as a player that you can't, like he's not a good backup goalie. He is. He's a phenomenal backup goalie. But you're turning to him to carry the load on a team that doesn't have anywhere else to turn to. That's too much for Jake Allen. It's way too much. He didn't have that in St. Louis. If he couldn't do it, he had other players who can pick up the load. Now you're asking him to not just be a great goalie, but be the best player on that team. He cannot do that. He won't. He's, maybe 10 years ago he could have, but he's not now. And as a result of this, look where you're at. You're, you're, you're not going anywhere. You're going to have to sit back and wait till Price comes back. And when he does, hopefully things work out. Because you've got nobody else on that team who's going to be able to pick up the slack. You don't. Gallagher at one point was supposed to be that. He's not. Has he not been relegated to the fourth or third line? Like he's. he's I think he's on third the third line now. There you go. He's fallen out of sorts. And, and so beyond that, you've got a team that needs experience. Last year was great for them. This
0: year, they're lost. And I think you well, guys lost. I mean, are lost. for me and and for me, the, the the last point I'll make on on Montreal is. To me, the big issue with why they are where they are right now is, again, the slotting of the defense. When you lose uh, Weber, yeah. you are having to slot guys into potentially places where they are not going to thrive as much as they would have otherwise so and granted your your point about price i mean we can we can all Mm -hmm. agree i think anybody can see that there is a complete drop off there from price to Mm -hmm. allen allen's a serviceable netminder, much better in a in a backup role obviously but he's he's having to carry the load and there's gonna there is going to be a drop off there no matter which way you slice it or dice it and and i mean compound that with the fact that you now have defensemen that are potentially slotted into the I, I don't want to say wrong place, but maybe in, in, in a situation where they cannot be uh, as productive or and does that um, put a, as successful as you would want them to be? And does that put,
1: uh, um, everybody's growth uh, in maybe not in question, but like does it slow down the growth for the team as a whole?
0: Um, I, especially for the I young. I fully agree. I could, I fully agree. Yeah, I fully agree with that statement, Marty. I mean, I I as a Habs fan am hoping for that growth. But at the same time, if the culture, if the culture isn't uh, in, in where it needs to be, uh, and what I mean by that is you know losing you just keep, when you keep losing, it just becomes harder and harder to to get out of that, obviously. but with along with that, is that growth coming with that youth, or are you or is it more detrimental than anything? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's true, and I and
1: I know what a playoff does to a for a team and and for its younger players and stuff like that. But if you let's say like like ex, this Montreal is a perfect example of that. The team went to the playoffs last year, and quite frankly, all due respect, entirely out of luck last season. Twenty twenty, COVID, the whole thing. Oh, they definitely such over-cheek. a bizarre year. Well, ex- and overachieve is is only looking at it in one direction. I think if you have a whole season, they end up missing the playoffs. And I think that I think yeah. the timing of things fell in the right place for them, and that oh, was it about did. it. It wasn't this. It, it, and I think that. That happened to a couple other teams. 2020 is going to have a huge asterisk forever. But beyond that, um, this team, as a result of getting into the playoffs, maybe walked into this year with unnecessary swagger uh, or unjustified swagger because it wasn't necessary. In my opinion, I know I'm wrong about this, and I'm looking forward to the Habs fans telling me how wrong I am about this. Please <laughs> go on our Twitter page and tell me how wrong I am about this because I love to argue. At the end of the day, these kids didn't learn anything last year i don't think so and at least the lessons that they did learn are not they're not transferring over because the structure of this team isn't right there's not enough players on this team to give them like weber yes price yes take them out now and now they're alone almost they're almost like well we've got all this knowledge but we don't know what to do with it These players are not, like, it's not like you can pick up the phone and call Price and go, hey, listen, what's going on with my game? You can't. He's going through something personal. You leave him alone and and you have no choice. He's not in the dressing room. He's not at the practices. Same thing with Weber. Like, Weber's a little bit different. You can call him if you wanted to, but he's not there the way he was before to help listen guys this is what we do with this information this is how we move forward as a younger player you know you are Caulfield or uh Chariot or whatever you're looking at them and they're going listen I I noticed what you're trying to do I think it's you got to tone down your enthusiasm for what happened last year forget it last year is last year move on and uh, again I'm not interested I don't know I don't know but this is just my opinion outside looking in a couple of things are what's wrong with this team but one of the major ones is because Bergeron has not developed a team or culture that will grow on its own minus two players and two players so it's not top to bottom it's two friggin players you've got to bank on and that's it I, I I don't know I don't like it and I don't like him as a GM I he needs he should have left a long time ago I do appreciate him and what he's done I guess I'm not a Habs fan and I, I like the way you are maybe you guys love him and that's fine, but I think you you want you want this team to go in the right direction. Change how you do how change how you run your team and how you go out and get players and change your GM and then you're on the right track. That's my advice. And by the way, correction, Gallagher is currently on the first line, uh, even strength and power play. I, I know at one point he was on the third. That's why I mentioned it. Well, I mean back you gotta, up on there, but you gotta switch things there. up
0: somehow because obviously it's not working right. Yeah. So Yeah.
1: But it's it's weird. The structure of this team right now is a bit odd and like looking at, at what's out there like hey, on paper it looks fine but it's not gelling it's not working so uh, i mean um, I, all
0: right so sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say i mean it, to me it always goes back to price i mean as long as you have price on that roster right you're gonna have a hard time selling anything other than going for it and going for the playoffs with your fan, true. with your it's fan true. base so i mean yes, the unmovable contract or, you know, difficult contract to move or, you know, for, for what he's making. But I mean, yeah. at some, at some point they're, they're, they're going to have to cut bait with that and, and move on from yeah. that. That's, Make a decision. Yeah. And I, I wish out a little bit. I wish it was sooner than later uh, personally as, as a Habs fan myself, but uh, you yeah. know, it's going to be later. Cause
1: like you said, the contract is a long way. He's, he's in the fourth of an eight year contract. So it, it's just gonna be so going anywhere. But if you talk to him and ask him like, listen, can we do this and that and maybe just work with him? you never know. Like you know leave it open to the player a little bit, give him an opportunity to maybe act as an owner and, and kind of Think. make decisions. but things can always change. change.
0: Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league and some guests. At gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at rss.com slash podcast slash tugalag. Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at galag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Thanks for listening and until next time.